1: Today's episode of Chasing Fretz is brought to you by ArtistWorks. ArtistWorks is dedicated to providing anyone, anywhere in the world with affordable interactive access to some of the greatest music teachers in the world. Their patented video exchange learning platform connects you with master musicians like our guest today, Brian Sutton. Here's how it works. You watch one of Brian's lessons You film yourself playing the lesson and then you send it to Brian through the video exchange platform and Brian will film a customized response directly for you. These video exchanges form the basis of an ever-growing, ever-changing online learning experience that is superior to a real classroom and provides the most convenient and effective way to learn online. So if you want to take your playing to the next level, use promo code PGAW20, that's PGAW20, to save 20% on lessons. This offer expires July 20th, 2020. Hey, everybody, this is Jason Shadrick uh, with Premier Guitar and the Chasing Frets podcast. And we are going to wrap up our week here with Brian Sutton. And uh, previously, we talked about um, uh, Bluegrass Rhythm Guitar and Session Life. And, uh, and again, forgive me, I'm here again with my good buddy, Andy Ellis. How you doing, Andy?
0: I am doing well. And the more I hear about bluegrass guitar from Brian Sutton, the happier I am as a human being. So.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up this week with kind of an, uh, an, an overview. Um, now, Brian, I know you teach a lot through ArtistWorks, through your ArtistWorks platform, where students are able to view video lessons from you and then film themselves and send them in and get, and get feedback and uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is what are when people want to really get uh, really increase their their speed and their technical ability in bluegrass guitar what are some of the things you'd recommend uh, um, to them to kind of get on that path
2: yeah that's you know we're getting kind of I'll get I'll get deep here but the point is is that you know bluegrass and even to kind of define it a little more like flat picking lead, single note, primarily, you know, melodic lines, which is kind of, I think what we're talking about here, I'm differentiating it from mm-hmm. the so the complete bluegrass guitar experience with involves a lot of rhythm. And in fact, for, for any of us playing bluegrass, we play much more rhythm than we do leads. Um, but to focus on the, the lead chops in bluegrass, the single note melodic lines, um, I've tried to at least get the conversation started going, okay, we all focus a lot of energy on the right hand of the picking hand. And that's true. And that's, there's a lot to be discovered and understood about that. But guitar playing still is two hands. It's the whole body engaging with an instrument, you know, as far as that, that the primary kind of life force that makes music happen in the first place, which is rhythm. And you deciding even from your rhythm guitar chops, kind of where the strums go and how rhythm works in this music. Let's always remember all that kind of stuff because, and here's the point, is that any or most of the people that I've worked with, when we engage in the kind of, you know, active doing of something like flat picking and getting the pick at a certain spot, getting the finger at a certain spot in a rapid fire kind of method, you know, a lot of that other stuff that is fundamental, unfortunately, goes out the window through tension, through just forgetting about it again, through the sort of human, I'm really going to try to make this happen. And so there's a lot that we do to just stand in our way with mismanagement. And again, I'm speaking kind of broadly, uh, but that's that's a thing that I find that does help the overall bluegrass chop goal is let's remember to breathe. Let's remember to manage our tension. Let's remember to, you know, we mentioned in that first bluegrass rhythm episode about how the wrist, when it's more open, yields a better tone and notes connect better. You know, all that's going to factor in in a big way as we, work now to engage in this challenge of lots of notes flying at at one time. So that, you know, just, just to remember that is a big deal, I think. And I think in my work with people, we come back to that. It's like, um, you know, what, what are we doing to get in our own way a lot of times? So, um, anyway, other things that are a little more specific, um, sort of stemming from, from rhythm is I feel like part of what, If I'm playing a fiddle tune, if that's, you know, on my quest for bluegrass chops, you know, being, being melodic, playing a, playing a melody, what goes into the quality of that melody? What, and these are, again, just frontline discussions. Like what is quality bluegrass guitar Again, it's more than just those right notes in the right spot. Um, this music has a certain feel, you know, I love this idea of where we kind of recognize timing and usually bluegrass timing is, uh, you know, just for speaking in bigger averages here, four four bars in eighth notes, eight even subdivisions, one and two and three and four mm-hmm. and taka, 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 taka. And when I can align myself with those eighth notes with an alternating motion, meaning the rhythm is what's driving my picking ultimately, my right hand picking engine, when it's connected to the in, to, to that rhythmic engine of a song, I'm connected to the tune. So that's what I'm doing here is alternating down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up on a, on a G string. We use this exercise a lot when you get working with me. Although that's not the challenge of a song, it can give us a huge kind of glimpse into what quality can feel like. So again, it's not just the fact that I'm playing G notes, but I am engaged in this idea of what a bar is, what rhythm is for those G notes, one, and two, and three, and four, and down, and down, and down, and down, and down, down. And the cool thing that we start getting into, even with these G notes in a row, is the fact that rhythm and tone really are the same thing. It's a cause and effect that once we get into this continuous action that is flat picking, they are feeding each other. So how I move, the quality of my motion directly affects what you are hearing, what I'm hearing right now. So if I'm able to do this, I'm hearing a certain characteristic with regards to those notes. And hopefully they're resonant, full sounding, and connected. And the reason they're able I'm able to mm-hmm. do that is because I'm managing my tension. And back to that first statement: Am I breathing? Am I standing in my own way and kind of trying to force these notes to happen again it gets into that you know the full body listening and and the, the the trickiness of forcing versus allowing but tension immediately takes the the audible quality of that and turns it into this and a lot of people that that we deal with. And and I have my own sort of version of this too, sort of Achilles heels of kind of using mismanaging myself and using tension negatively uh, in both hands. But as we focus on the pick, you know, sometimes I play too hard. Um, You know, there are various sort of, you know, everything from kind of ego as Chris Elders likes to bring up to sort of fear of certain things uh, that is causing that tension down to just the physical nature of trying to, again, kind of, force over allow. But anyway, the point is, is no matter how tension manifests itself, we're going to hear it. So if I can even just with a string of G notes at a manageable tempo, create <clears throat> create um, a sustained effect, then that's moving me in the right direction. Because again, if that's not the challenge of a song, those are the things that I want to notice within the characteristic of the song. Back to the idea, it's not just about putting the right notes of the fiddle tune in the right order in the right spot. It's about how those notes are hanging together, the overall, you know, sort of functional quality um, with regards to that. So, again, we start with recognizing and we use a metronome uh, a lot of times if you're working with me to help kind of get that helpful constraint of here's a beat all the time. Because that's what rhythm is. Rhythm is trustworthy. It's it's persistent, uh, predictable in this kind of music. We look at groove the way it it expresses itself in bluegrass, which is about repetition and patterns. So this alternating motion has a way to connect with that, not dependent on the song, but depending on the, how rhythm flows. That defines that motion, and then then the quality of that motion defines the tone. That's that's two parts of a three-part focus. The, the target to hit involves yet another yeah. component, which is more anything, uh, basically anything we are doing to be expressive. When I say Andy or Jason, here's a line of G notes. You know, where do you know where the backbeat is? Where do you know where the downbeat is? Love, you know, hopefully, it just sounds like a bunch of deep G notes, but they're in time and they're good tone quality. It's only when I express to you, okay, this note is important. Just as I'm talking to you when I say, hey, it's really good to talk to you today. I'm using emphasis in my voice to communicate some kind of idea. So when we allow for that within that line of notes, recognizing a 4-4 timing eight eighth notes Now I'm emphasizing one and three right so that perceives sort of the uh, uh, the image of a flat line of notes turns into more of a wave and that can be one and three two and four. What I'm getting at here is that the, even with this single note line here there is a, uh, there's a musical experience to be had. You know, one and three straight eights is very different than a swung pattern with emphasis on two and four. I'm not changing the tempo, not changing the amount of notes that I'm playing per bar, but the musical experience is decidedly different. That's, for me, a lot of what I do to help folks, again, on the one hand, kind of start the discussion healthfully, understand what quality absorb this idea of what quality can be in bluegrass guitar. That's more than just putting a bunch of hot notes together uh and understand what is what how can fundamental quality kind of components like this help anything that you're already doing just sound better that's for me teaching this i found that to be kind of a almost you know kind of a mission statement of like i don't want to teach you some fancy new voicing of a of a, of a G minor seven or a hot lick with a minor pentatonic flat fifth, whatever. I'm just, I'd rather make, help you make everything that you already play, just feel better, have better tone, better, better expression. And I try to tell people too, I mean, anything that I'm doing to express these kind of things and notice things, things in my playing as important as any of those notes. So here's like an example, like that swung two and four. (laughs) Now the next effort again, we get a glimpse of what quality can feel like. But can I apply that to the melody? Right, I, I achieved a certain goal there because you could hear the notes of that fiddle tune, Blackberry Blossom, but you could also feel the groove in my playing because I was committed to that and settled within that. The notes hung together. As uh, as kind of a more of a line than just individual little dots, right? And so anyway, that's that for me. That's a big chunk of what sort of bluegrass chops is 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 uh, recognizing sort of we split the discussion not so much about the the total picture, but splitting into what we're playing and how we're playing. Where when we spend a lot of time with the how we play, that gets me more in touch with what fundamentally sets up more quality in the what we play. So that's tone and groove and being expressive to the point of now, what's open to and and more available to us to experience quality in the what we play, that's where we get into the bluegrass chop of, again, I've been kind of more in fiddle tune zone here, uh, but as I play a potential lead and a bluegrass song, uh, that's where we look at sort of the language of bluegrass and primarily most of these tunes are major scale based. You know, as you now start learning melodies and kind of exploring what's available to us, you know, here's a major scale, in you know, your your love is like a flower. And that's very major scale kind of melody, but Tony Rice would play,
1: yeah.
2: those kind of minor pentatonic uh, bass sort of phrases over it. So there's this, you know, all these layers start happening now as far as what we call bluegrass chops where you know i try to get folks to not think so much about let's sort of insert lick number two into phrase number three here uh and then kind of make a collection of of licks but start ultimately with the melody of the song that you're playing Um, understand as much as you can about the fundamental structure the um uh you know the chord structure the essential melody notes that's the other thing that's really beautiful about bluegrass playing is the fact that you can have 25 players playing the same song in a row and you're going to hear it 25 different ways, but somehow we all know it's still that song. Um, and that's, again, now we're into this sort of potentially endless sort of study of what's come before us, uh, the songs themselves, but I think essentially an understanding of sort of building blocks of structure, chords and melody, uh, that at least gets the conversation started in a positive way.
0: One time, um, Brian, uh, I think maybe the first time I interviewed you in person, uh, we were sitting at the backstage of the Ryman, and I think you were playing with Hot Rise that night. Oh yeah. And um, my my guitar study, part of my formal guitar study, had come through the jazz guitar uh, technique, where the right hand flat picks and the left hand selects the notes, and it's, uh, it, it, you blew my mind when I sat there in the, in the Ryman, and uh, I'm going to quote a couple of things that you said that wound up in this interview. <laughs> no, they're, they're, it's really Uh-oh. cool. But it, it actually reconfigured my understanding of flat-pick guitar. And so I'm just going to read a little bit, and then maybe you can comment on it. Um, Many guitarists don't realize how essential hammer-ons and pull-offs are to flat-picking. When you see mandolinists picking in the Bin- Bill Monroe style, there's a whirlwind of right hand activity, and most people assume that's also true of guitar. But I approach flat picking as a dual hand technique in which hammer-ons and pull-offs are as important as picked notes. The trick is to make hammers and pulls sound robust. And then you demonstrated this for me, and I realized the records that I'd been listening to, that you, your records, you're playing. I had been assuming, incorrectly, that th- the stream of notes was picked. I didn't understand that the stream of notes had left-hand articulation as well as right-hand. And then when you played that, I'd see that it was almost a ping-pong, you know, back and forth between one hand and the other, yeah. toss back and yeah,
2: forth. Yeah, um, that sounds like me. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I would continue to agree. That's you know from your first quest or my first statement about getting a bluegrass chop started and and sort of going down the road of, of sort of building the essential engine. But yet back before that, you know, reminding us that guitar is a two handed thing, one body, two hands, two arms. Um, ultimately, yes, when I am doing what I do, and I, I do encourage folks to to recognize this as well. I couldn't do a lot of what I do. I wouldn't sound the way I sound when I'm soloing. Um, if it weren't for hammers and pulls. And I think it comes down to maybe uh, to to demonstrate, a lot of us might use a hammer-on like this. If I'm going from this note to this note, I might do, you know, use the hammer-on as kind of a grace, ornamental kind of thing, an embellishment. It kind of gives a kind of a human voice quality to it. What I challenge us to do as a way to kind of gravitate everything that I just said to more two hands now Uh, still recognizing that fundamental kind of eighth note rhythmic flow as it presents itself in this music. Um, When I say the hammers and pulls being robust for focusing on how to use the fretting hand more efficiently in sync with the picking hand, it's inviting into that rhythmic flow notes that are created with hammers and pulls or slides. Um, And so it's not just the sort of, you know, wanting to, wanting to make sure if I'm hitting this note and then pulling off, uh, that those pulled notes are as strong as, as they potentially can as the pick notes or the hammers being as strong as they can. it's how they flow and how they connect in the overall sense of timing. Part of this whole, the whole body here thing is, uh, thing here is trying to just be settled. And when I feel both hands in sync rhythmically, then I feel more settled to the specific nature of hammers and pulls and slides. I would say Um, I am going from using hammers and pulls just like this, that those are nice elements, but to more of what is the rhythm of the hammer and pull as it exists in a phrase or a melody like, uh, like Blackberry Blossom I did a minute ago. Like here's every note being picked. (laughs) to something like this. I'm engaged in fundamental swing there, but the timing of all those fretting hand elements, and I know that you're not, seeing this right now, but I imagine you could hear that. You could also hear the sort of sonic characteristic of those hammers and pulls. That, that's what I really love about It's not just the work to try to find that rhythmic sync to really use the hammers and pulls. And they really do create efficiency. The pick is having to work half as much. That's really good when I'm playing fast. Um, so the efficiency factor is huge, but, but from like what you might be hearing there is the playing kind of got this other sort of rounded legato kind of, characteristic about it. Uh, pick notes are great, you know, the, the clean articulation, pow 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 pow, pow. Um, But for me and what I like to hear is this, you know, kind of combination of pick notes and uh and fretting hand notes that are just fundamentally a little rounder sounding, a little smoother as far as how one connects to the to the other. Um, so that's that's for me, that's like hammers and pulls as as a way to do what I need to do in bluegrass are, right. are vital.
1: Well, that seems a good way to wrap up, uh, this trio of, uh, episodes with you, Brian, thanks again so much. And can you tell us a little bit about what you might have, uh, coming up, uh, on your schedule, maybe new album, anything?
2: <laughs> uh, it's funny to try to answer that question right now. There's uh <laughs> well, uh, let me give you another broad answer here. Like I did a lot of work with hot rise or my own projects starting in about 2014 from studio to touring I was really really busy up through early 2019 um, about a year ago to now and uh, or a year ago from now sorry Uh, and I chose to take a lot of 2019 off from touring and even thinking about a record because I was kind of burnt out Um, maybe not even kind of burnt out but very burnt out and so it's interesting that all this happened as it's happened because I did sort of spend a lot of this last two thousand bit in two thousand and nineteen into now just kind of circling the wagons and doing more sessions and teaching more and doing a lot less sort of projects and touring and things like that and I was using this year to kind of maybe you know book a little more and and had a few things uh, on the uh, on the calendar that have since gone away at least for now. We'll see what happens in the fall but to answer your question now um, there are hopefully still as of maybe late summer into the fall about you know one sort of major festival a month for me to be a part of in some uh, in some form or another. Um, there's a new project coming out from Bela Fleck that will be very exciting I think and I got to play on some of that and so there'll be some touring at some point uh, around that. Um, As far as me personally, I'm I'm still a little bit in wagon circle mode where I've just not given a ton of energy into what the next thing might be for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. The tricky thing about being in bluegrass is that, you know, well, being a musician in the 21st century for that uh, matter as well. Like if I'm making a record, like why? um, I want to know that it's artfully or artistically kind of driving me somewhere that's that's worthy. I'm not sure that I feel that right now. I've I've achieved a lot of goals that I set out for myself as a musician. And, you know, like the last one I did has a whole lot more singing and original songs on it songwriting and all this kind of stuff. Um, And not that I reached my goal and I'm done, but I've always sort of had a path of like, I knew kind of what the next one was going to be based on what the previous previous one was. And also when I say kind of tricky as bluegrass, it's like if I'm going to make a record and kind of go out and tour, that's not easy. <laughs> um, yeah, you can ask anybody that kind of trudges the road in the world of bluegrass. I mean, it's just—it's a lot of a lot of breaking even out there. And um, at forty-seven, into this year, I'll be forty-seven, and I, you know, just—I got kids that are getting older, and you know, life is even more and more precious than it ever has been. So, just you know, just trying to kind of take it all and stride and be thoughtful about it, and kind of just. Not rush the idea of what might be next, but sort of maybe will reveal itself organically. Um, uh-huh. If there's one good thing about this whole corona quarantine self isolation time, is you know, I've had the guitar in my hand a lot more just with free time. I mean, again, the power was out this morning, we were talking about that earlier, and just had to, you know, sat down on the couch with the guitar, you know, and I don't do that a whole lot. I'm a guy that's so usually so busy and I need to be doing something that doesn't involve a guitar in my hand. But just to kind of have an aimless, you know, 45 minutes to just explore stuff, that's pretty cool, you know, and that felt nice. And so maybe I'll start writing some songs and and see what's next.
1: Excellent. All right. Thanks again, Andy. Thanks again, Brian. And we'll talk to everybody later. All right. Adios.